Hey, everybody. Tyree here with Before I Forget, along with my homeboy, Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. Hey. Hey, hey. And we have a special guest. We do. Hey, um, so I'm not going to, like, say too much about you because, I mean, you, you did send me some things, um, but I'm going to let you cover all that. This is Ashley, everybody. Ashley, tell us who you are and your story and why you're here and all the other things. <clears throat> well, um, my name is Ashley. Um, in the beginning, I so I joined the Army when I was 18, uh, 19. Um, I lived in Las Vegas at the time and the recession had just hit. So I went from going to college, not being able to afford college. And I just joined the army. My uncle was in the Navy. My grandpa was in the army. So I just said, you know, might as well. So I went and saw a recruiter. I wanted to be an MP. Um, I know. (laughs) It's nothing wrong with MPs, man. That's the general reaction I get though. Um, so I wanted to be an MP and they found me a slot and I signed up in January, shipped out in April and then went to OSET in Leonardwood. So I was there for five months. Yeah. And then, um, I got assigned to Fort Carson and then, uh, that's where I spent all my time. I only did six years, but that's where I was for the majority of everything. I had one deployment, but that's what it. year, what year did you come in? 2010. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> One of the, the, the younger folk we've had on. Not in, in, in time of, you know, service. What yeah, made you join? Uh, what, what made you join? Because everyone else has been, you know, a couple years before or after 2002 for us for the most part. Um, I wanted to go to school. I wanted college. Mm. Well, That's interesting. What did you um, want to go to school for? Well, being that I did do a lot of growing up in Las Vegas, we had CSI. Oh, yeah. And that's what I wanted to do was, you know, go deal with crime scenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that, that explains going to MP, yeah. Yeah, but I did get to do that. Uh, I went to MPI for two years, so I did investigations for two years. Uh, my last two, when I was active duty. Nice. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, it, that's interesting that, like, in 2010, you joined... Um, for to go to college, right? And obviously, you said there, there was a recession going on. You know, not a ton of options going on in the world. Um, I guess you were living in Vegas. You could have gone to be one of those people on the street selling your CDs. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, what I really wanted to do, funny enough, what I really wanted to do is cosmetology. I love hair and makeup and all that stuff, which is is weird because I don't wear a lot of makeup and I have obviously really short hair. So yeah. But that's what I wanted to do. But that's kind of like, um, you know, the Le Cordon Bleu, the cooking academy. Mm-hmm. It's like a dime a dozen. There was no way to do it and then actually make money off of it. In Vegas or just like generally speaking? At that Yeah, in Vegas at that time. Oh, yeah. There's people. There's not people out there with hair and makeup? How <laughs> do hot in Vegas wear makeup? It's really hard to make a living doing that. Because usually, yeah. you know, people just learn to do it themselves, so they don't have to pay somebody to do it if they need someone to do it. Right, for sure. I would be lost um, all the time. I would say? always look like a clown constantly because I would have to do my own makeup, and God knows I have no idea how to do any of that. You don't think you'd get better at it? Hell no. It. it would just get worse, progressively yeah. worse. People would be like, just hair. give it up. Just stop. You ever thought about, Tyree, first of all, not to, like, like go away from what we're talking about like 
you, why don't you just can you grow it out? Does it grow long your your facial hair? It and does, but I, it does, I cut it off. But why? Let it let it grow. Uh, it looks goofy. Anyway. It makes me look older. You know. <laughs> so anyway, okay. So back onto that. So you you were uh, military police at Fort. Where'd you go to? Uh, when you, I know you went to uh, Winterwood. So that's actually a question. I wonder if that's a thing in the MP world too. Um, in the infantry world, whenever we get a new training or a new private. We always ask them, hey, man, where'd you, where'd you go to basic training? And they always say Fort Benning, and we're like, fucking duh. Like, we all go there. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing in the MP world, too? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Leonard Wood is the MP regimental home. So if you have to go to um, MPI school or CID or mm-hmm. any of the, the schools for MP-related stuff, it's at Fort Leonard Wood. And then, you know, BLC and... Um, I remember we, we were in a hotel during MPI school and we shared it with all the, uh, what is it? Beanock, the guys coming yeah. in to be lieutenants. We shared it with them. Oh no, the, the, uh, yeah. You know, it's the, uh, Bullock. Yeah. Bullock. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's just a huge, hmm. uh, huge, um, training base. And that's where we, like, if you're an MP and you need to advance, uh, you always end up back at Leonard Wood. Yeah. That place sucks. Um, so which, which, which battalion were you in? So at first, uh, in Leonardwood or yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the, I don't remember, uh, seven, eight, seven, seven, eight, seven. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's the only MB battalion that I haven't worked with. I worked with seven, nine, five and I worked with the seven, oh, first. Yeah. We're Um, in the, uh, the starship. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you know or whatever, but like, so I, I do drill sergeant stuff and I do it. Well, now I do it primarily at Fort Leonard Wood, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, MP World is a whole different, whole different world from the rest of the Army for mm-hmm. sure. So uh, you go to MP OSUT for those that don't know, OSUT O S U T is one station unit training. There's only a handful of MOSs in the Army that actually do OSUT, and MP is one of them. I'm not really 100 percent sure why, uh, maybe because it's so specialized, um, but. Anyway, so then you go to Fort Carson. Did you, were you happy about Carson? Yeah, that was actually where I wanted to go. Um, <clears throat> at the time, my grandparents, they lived down in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and it was a five-hour drive, so in four days I'd go down there and visit them and stuff. But yeah, that was my first choice. Nice. <clears throat> I wanted to go to Carson. Uh, I mean, we were in Germany, Tyree and I, and I think my first choice was Fort Lewis, Um when, 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 so we came down on, I, I came down on PCS orders. I don't know if you did, Tyree, but we got stop loss and stop movement for Iraq and the initial invasion in 03. And then those orders were canceled. And then I came down on orders again. And I, I did get Fort Lewis. Um, but then those orders were canceled. And we had orders to go to Iraq for OAF2. But I've always heard great things about Fort Carson. Like I've never had anybody go there and say like they didn't like it or they're I, in Alaska. I was enough. supposed to go to Fort Carson right before we were going to Iraq. That's where I was going. You had orders there? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. why I was like, okay, this is going to be great. I hear great things. I'm going to go skiing or whatever. Yeah. And uh, boom. Looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I've, I've driven to Fort Carson to meet up with a friend of mine there in Colorado Springs. And I think you would have been a little, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you would have been a little upset about like the skiing and stuff because like I remember being there 
and looking into the distance at the Rockies and being like, that's, those are the mountains. Like, where, where am I? You know what I mean? Like you're still at like 4,000, 5,000 feet above sea level, but is there a lot of skiing in Colorado Springs? You got to go for You got to go out and it's Colorado Springs is about 6,000 feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of feet. It's a lot. Hang on a second. No, you're good. Um, so yeah, so Fort Carson, you were in active duty for six years and you managed to stay at Carson that entire time. Like what happened? Why how that happen? So my I got there in October and immediately when we got into battalion, um <clears throat> from the the what is it, the orientation brigade or battalion, mm, whatever like reception it was. Or whatever, yeah. yeah, so they um Immediately told us there's, there's, so for the MPs, there's two units that you can go to and both of them are deploying like soon. So, uh, half of them went to Iraq and then, um, six months later after I got to Colorado, I went to Afghanistan and then we came back, they stabilized us for two years and then I came up on orders to Korea. And mm. so, <clears throat> but before I deployed, like right before the field cycle beforehand, uh, I jumped out of an LMTV and I fractured my foot. Mm. I didn't realize I'd fractured my foot. It, you know, aches and pains, we all have them, you know, yeah, but right. <clears throat> so I fractured a bone in my foot. I didn't find out about that um, until a few weeks later, we were on a run and I fell out Like I just rolled off the side of the road. So they took me to get a workup on my leg because my knee was hurting my knee was hurting because I was um, making up for my Favoring stride because of the pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they took an x-ray of my foot. They said, oh, you got a fractured bone in your foot. That's probably what your problem is. And so um, they deployed me anyway, circle X me, and then <laughs> came back. And they said, yeah, just get it looked at when we come back. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, being an MP, we were out all day, every day. Always walking, always rucking, always doing stuff. So... I was on it all the time, especially with the full kit and a bag and everything else. So I got it looked at again, and the bone that was fractured had completely broken in half. So mm. it got worse, and nice. they did Imagine. surgery. They canceled my orders because of that surgery because I was non-deployable for a while. And then I did um, MPI school. I re-enlisted for that. And that gave me another year of stabilization. And my last seven months, I came down on, on more orders for Korea. And I just said, fuck it. I signed a deck statement. I left. <laughs> they really wanted you to go to Korea. Time, they did. And I just got my E5. I know what happens to E5 when they go over there. And I had just gotten married, you know, like a dumbass. And mm-hmm. didn't want to leave my husband and everything else. So I just, I got out. I went back to Texas where I'm from. So... Yeah, and and to, to be clear, whenever you say I know what happens to an E five when they go to Korea, are you referring to the fact that they typically come back as an E four? Yeah, <laughs> that, I was yeah. going to ask. I was going to ask what is the what is the secret? <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard, I've heard, um, I've heard the the fastest way to E seven is to deploy to Korea as an E eight. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and plus, like, you know, you're new, you're newly married, and, you know, for the folks that don't know, like, Korea is a hardship tour. I mean, you can choose to do two years and, uh, two, two years and bring your family over, but mm-hmm. um, from what I hear about Korea and just the bases there, with, like, curfews and all those stuff, because it is, it is kind of um, a tense area, especially if you're close to the DMZ. 
with what's going on with the the northern Korea. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't want to go to fucking Korea either. Um, although I hear flights to like Australia are really cheap, and that would be cool. So fuck Korea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, no, it's I, I think we crazy. got lucky with Germany, man. Hell yeah, but, fuck yeah. Go Europe, Usura. Usura, yeah. yeah. Um, so you did end up uh, eventually deploying, right? Yeah, so it was April 2011 to April 2012. I went to uh, went to Afghanistan. That's a fun time, I bet. Um, after the big surge, I guess, because the biggest uh, or the big research was in oh nine, two thousand ten, going into eleven. So I bet you there was a little bit of a, a little bit of uh, um, kind of waves from that, and I guess it kind of come down from that too. Was it pretty busy though? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I was at um, Bob Huey. We did a lot of traveling to Bob Fenty. I don't know if you guys have heard of that place, but they were um, their front gate was blown up by V bid. Um, Bob Huey was the uh, right next to the main airfield. So if you watch like Zero Dark Thirty, the, mm-hmm. the oh. airfield that the that the guys take off from, yeah, that's, that was in Jalalabad. That's where I was. Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. And then um, I went to up into the mountains into the so I was in Kunar, Nangahar, and the Logman Province. So we moved twice so we, we we did everything we were in the jungle we were in the mountains and then we were in the desert area right so so did what was ever, the what was the train up for your uh deployment i mean that seems like a lot of different spots to be dealing with ntc yeah. okay <laughs> yeah, all right <laughs> that was yeah. it you know it's funny to me too because ntc is primarily one type of terrain from what i understand we i've never been tyree i don't know if you ever have i've driven by it yeah it's just yeah. dirt and wind it's just yeah. like being in the deserts. But then you're going to Afghanistan where you may have some of that, but you also have mountains, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. a variety of terrain over there. It's just like yeah. when we were in Germany, like we're going out to Grafenvier and Hohenfels and, and into, into the wood line and we're training like it's the Cold War, but we're getting ready to go to Iraq in the desert. Um, so it, it definitely makes sense how the army likes to train for sure. Yeah. That's funny though. Um, did you have to do, while you were there, did you do any customs work or is that like a specific... No, um, the Navy was doing that while we were there. Oh, hmm. I don't so, know if you listened to our show, but we had a guy once upon a time on the show who did contracting over there and, um, the guy that, that Tyree helped set up. And while he was there, he, he came across a specific plant that he wanted to relocate back to the U S. Oh, Okay. And uh, he wouldn't tell us how that how he how he'd manage that because um, he's leaving that part a secret. But he's doing good work with it. He really is. Um, so I mean, know, but the I'm, implied I'm thing. Never mind. What were you gonna say? That's okay. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking. Like, I, and I know you thought it too. Like, how did he get that back to the U.S.? And so I was just kind of wondering if he did customs work and how that might work. But no, okay. I got a question. Uh, what is a typical day uh, for you while deployed? I mean, I know with us, it's, it's freaking patrols or mm. whatever bullshit. What is the, what is an um, MP doing for your we first We trained the ANPs. Mm. The ones that That's... always ended up blowing themselves up after a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we did that. So we did the main, we were at the main headquarters. We usually had someone of importance. Like, uh, I know we had a lieutenant commander from the Navy. Mm-hmm. We escorted him back and forth, um, and we 
I was just a driver, so I just went back and forth. But um, <clears throat> so we took them to the headquarters of the A&P, and then they had a bunch of meetings. Um, we inventoried all their weapons and stuff like that. And then we did. So when we were in Jalalabad for the first six months. We we did a lot of stuff at the prison. So we did the uh, the bat and hide of all the inmates, and then I had to go do the women in the prison. Yeah, and you and I think you you mentioned that you were the last, either the only female in the last quarter of your deployment. So I bet you that was like an extra hefty load of shit that you had to do as a female in a military police unit in Afghanistan. You know, yeah. in, those, in those roles, especially doing that because yeah. the women, you know, how in the bat and hide, you got to take a picture of them. The women didn't want a picture of them taken. Like especially, you had to have their 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 thing pulled back so you could see mm-hmm. their hair color accurately, and they wouldn't do it. And some of them, I sat down with them, and in the women's jail, they have their children too. So, oh, you know, if they if they did something to disgrace their family, their children had to go with them and live in the jail until they were too old for jail and they were kicked out on the street. What? Yeah. Um, I, I had never heard that before. Holy shit. Yeah, so they had a uh, schoolhouse, they had a little nursing room, they had all kinds of stuff there for the kids. So I went in there, we did the bat and the hide on the, the women, and I just was curious, and I asked them, what did you do? And um, they were more than willing to tell me. Some of them, they just left their husbands because they were getting beaten. Some of them were... Um, uh, running away. Some of them didn't want to marry whoever they wanted to marry. And this one lady, she I'll never forget this. She was beautiful, beautiful woman. She was just stunning. And I asked her, how did you get in here? And she's like, I've killed my husband. Mm. And I looked at her. I said, did he deserve it? And she smiled. She said, yeah, he sure did. <laughs> wow. So crazy. you were in there with the, you know, that's some pretty heavy shit that those people are accused of to their world but to us it's like you know you got a divorce who gives a shit like why are you in jail how did that affect you dealing with those people there like man i wish i could pick you up and take you with me because it sucks out here you know for them i felt really bad you know you never know what you really have until you go somewhere like that Mm. but the the guys they love staring at uh white girls so I was always surrounded, you know, by the boys when they had to, if I had to go in and out of there, <clears throat> they were, uh, they were always around me, but I mean, it was always, so they're always, when I was walking around, they were taking pictures of me and stuff. And I know, I remember on new year's, we went to another station and they let us rip their cell phones and the stuff we found on their cell phones was absolutely disgusting Children, um, obviously other women, not their wives. Um, but yeah, a whole lot of weird stuff with kids. So it, it's, I, I feel bad for the women, but it's just, it's rough. You, you would never be in so conditioned to being here. And now that some of that stuff is pretty apparent, you would never expect it until like you just saw it right in front of your face. Mm. I, I've heard some stories of, uh, I mean, just random, I mean, just various various branches and, and, and people in Afghanistan, like having complaints about like shit like that going down, right. Where they like, they hear a child getting 
fucking raped or some shit and they can't do anything about it because they're told it's a cultural thing and we're not allowed. We we can't intervene. That mm-hmm. is yeah, and 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 you're and you're right though. Like so growing up here in the US and we, we kind of have the standard that you just, you know, don't fuck children. And um and so to be in a place like that where you can't do anything, like I, I can't imagine like I don't think we encountered too much of that in Iraq. Um, it was pretty common knowledge that um, if some males were extra friendly with each other, then that was normal. But like, I don't remember ever hearing that, but the just the amount of anger, I think. Whew, I don't know if I could stop myself. I mean, yeah, I don't think I, I would give a crap about wh- whoever's friendly with who, but when you come down with the, uh, it starts fucking around with kids, man, that's, uh, that's hands off. But you know, like you said, that's, their shit but that's fucking crazy shit for, to have you know yeah, yeah but like <clears throat> but we weren't allowed to say anything about how they lived how they treated each other nothing i, I would constantly that be like bro like how they were oh man that's terrible Ugh. yeah i don't i, I i'm just, I mean, seriously like in my mind i'm trying to like place myself there and, and see what would happen and I just can't imagine, like, okay, so we we have a mission to go out. We're going to hit a house, and maybe there's a high value target. We're looking for something, blah blah blah. Or we're just doing like a random patrol, like we do used to do in Iraq, and be like, hey, we'll just go ahead and search that house right there because it looks like they have suspicious stuff in the front yard or whatever. And going in there, and then and then and then you know coming through a door and encountering that. Uh, I don't know what would stop me from going from safe to semi, and going through a thirty round magazine. Maybe the child being there. Um, but that's an easy fix. Just excuse that little fucker and then go to work. I mean, I, I really don't know how, like, I really don't, I don't think that I could have stopped myself in that situation. Um, that's a lot. I'd probably be in prison right now. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you think about like the, so like what the, some of the, some of the women are in, in, in jail for, um, that's what I'm saying. Like Tyree said, like it's like here, that's like normal shit, right? Like obviously the, the beautiful woman killing her husband, a little illegal here, but I mean, but uh, he deserved it though. So fuck it. Right. Like what was he, he may doing? Have, he may not have. We, that was, that was her answer. But like, yeah, like being divorced or leaving your husband, I've been divorced twice and I'm, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It happens, yeah. but yeah, you're divorced twice and here you are a free woman, like in Afghanistan, you'd be locked the fuck up. You yeah. and your kids, you know yeah, what I'm saying? With like, my kid. Yeah. Yeah. Face That's crazy. Five. Oh. You know, that kind of, that reminds me of, of North Korea. Um, they have a thing to where like, if you commit a crime, um, you get locked up, I guess you and your family get locked up and then they do generational, um, terms, right? So they'll say like your family is locked up for five generations. And so for five generations, you know, kids are born and are like grow up in the prison system and continue that process for five generations or however long that's a thing in north korea that reminds me of that like it's fucking wild that's just slave labor right there man that's nuts yeah it is it is really interesting right being in the military and being able to go to these different places and experience these different cultures and um like it's one thing to to like go backpack europe right because you're mostly dealing with people who live similarly to we do. But like when you go to these, these, these places in the world where they're currently, you know, living several hundred years in the past or, or they're, they're bound by specific, um, rules, I guess we'll say, um, 
And so they have to live a certain way. It's just a big fucking shock. It's a huge shock. Um, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, like, I don't know if y'all are watching the World Cup or not, but like, I guess Qatar mm-hmm. is under a lot of heat right now for uh, human human rights um, issues with setting up the World Cup and everything. And it just, man, kind of, I don't know, it's a thing. I don't know. I can't, th- I can't, can't form my words right now, but like, that's just, I'm, I don't know, mind blowing, I guess. Mm. <clears throat> anyway. So, all, enough with all that, I guess. Um, so, at Carson, doing military police stuff, pulling over infantry dudes, throwing them in jail for being a little little over the limit, um, mm-hmm. as one does. Now, how many, okay, let me ask you this. How many times did you have to go out, and, like, you get a call, and you're like, fuck, it's the infantry barracks, and you go over there to break it up, and, like, you know, you got uh, your baton with you, you got your M4 slung, because it's a bunch of grunts, and you're going to shoot somebody, you know what I mean? We, is that a thing? Is that a thing? Uh-huh. In the MP world, you no, get No, so my 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 uh, primary weapon the entire time was an M9. Mm-hmm. And then when I was a driver, I carried an M4. But um, all, all of us, all MPs, your primary is an M9. Yeah. So we didn't have M4s. At no, but like when you get a call, like in your in garrison, you get a call to like the, the infantry barracks and you're like, shit. Is that a thing? Like we're like, fuck me, I'm going to go deal with the infantry guys. I didn't do with that. I dealt with a lot of domestics mm-hmm. or um, a lot of like rowdy. Someone's making noise and the neighbor calls the cops. Um, as far as parties, not really. At least I didn't. I'm sure that went on, but um, I didn't. I got a lot of, uh, I didn't do a whole lot of road time. Mm. So it was traffic accidents. Um Speed, uh, speed checks in the school zone. I pissed off an E6 because they gave him like a $200 ticket. And, um, <clears throat> but all the really good ones is when I was an MPI, I charged a first sergeant commander with negligence because they lost, um, a case of nine mil ammo and, uh, a nine mil. <laughs> Nobody could figure out what happened. So I charged the first sergeant commander and the ammo handler. And he was screaming at me down the hallway as he was going to get his fingerprints done. Mm. And I was only an E5, and he didn't know that because we wore polos and 511s as MPI. So he had no idea who I was. Right. And you don't you don't introduce yourself that way, right? By like, yeah, I'm Sergeant Zone. So you're just like, I'm investigator. It was investigator. Yeah. Nice. That's neat. And that's, I'm sure that's by design, right? For that exact reason. Yeah. 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 I have gone toe to toe with so many people that I never should even be in the same room with ever. Yeah. Um, so you said you wanted, you wanted to hit MPI or you wanted to, to do that. You reenlisted for it. Like, was it worth it like, going into that? Yeah, it was definitely. Um, so I had to learn, uh, being on post, you have to know, obviously the federal codes then you have to learn the state codes and then, um, how it applies to service member versus spouse and, uh, children and all that other kind of stuff. But, I ended up dealing a lot of dealing a lot with juveniles. So like, you know, kids in the mixed families, Mm -hmm. um, they would steal from the PX or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's what I really wanted to do. And I enjoyed that the most for sure. So in, in, in doing like military police and MPI, like what were the more like memorable things 
about it. You, you had mentioned some things um, that I, one of them that's in particular that I, I, I wouldn't mind talking about a little bit um, and how it relates to um, a certain culture or whatever the fuck in the army. Um, I know, I, I know we've kind of the Tyree and I've kind of touched about, uh, touched on it a little bit in the show on the show, but like, you know, sharp in the army is a big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and you had mentioned something about, um, certain like accusations and complaints and, and all of that. And like the legitimacy yeah. of them, legitimacy uh, of them. <laughs> like, can you kind of go into that a little bit uh, without like going into super detail, I guess. So, um, there's MPI and there's CID. So MPI, <clears throat> we do a lot of the misdemeanors, some felonies, um, if there's drugs, if there's a dead body, uh, serial break. So if there's drugs, if there's a dead body, um, if it's an assault that is, um, you know, attempted, attempted murder type, you know, obviously there's grave consequences, um, so there's a fine line between MPI and CID. So whenever something happened that was probably going to get to CID level, we'd go out, we establish the rapport with the victims and with the witnesses and everything else. We'd gather all the information and then we'd hand it to CID and they decide whether or not to take it. Mm. And, um, so, and with, um, sharp incidents, um, <clears throat> they had to take it if it was if it was if we had evidence if we had a victim if we had a statement or something they had to take it and the majority actually every single uh what word can i say that won't get you guys flagged uh, i mean you can say the actual word is fine yeah you can. every 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 sexual assault that came across the call screen they were all falsified the ones that i took i'm not saying really? no all the rapes that were there, but the ones that I got called to, they were falsified. Um, Fake reports. Yeah. So I had one, the soldier was trying to break up with this girl, but you know how they go, like they still sleep together, but they're not together. (laughs) So she said that he'd raped her and he was off. I don't remember where he was. He was somewhere. He was at the station. And so I was talking to her and I was talking to the desk at the station and gathering up all this stuff that she was saying. And I told them, okay, see if he'll let you see like his back or parts of his body or whatever else. And everything had, you know, um, corroborated each other. Um, I don't know how that turned out. Any of the cases that I've done, we don't know what happens. We just present the evidence to have the charges and we don't get, we don't get any closure. We don't know where it goes. If they Mm -hmm. get charged formally, they get kicked out, whatever it is. And then another one, this lady made up this story about someone stalking her. She had all these handwritten notes. Something was left on her front door. She had kids in the house, little kids. And her husband was in the field, and she wanted him to come home. (laughs) So I sat outside. She knew I was outside of her house. So I was sitting outside of her house waiting for someone to show up because there's a threat. I'm going to be here at this time, this day. You know, I'm going to come and get you. Mm -hmm. So I sat outside of her house all night. My mistake was telling her that I was leaving. I told her I'm going, got back to the station. Uh, we do 24 hour shifts. So I got back there and I was getting ready to go to sleep 
and wake up at nine and hand over. So we, I was on duty all night. So I went back, got my pajamas on, and then immediately sexual assault comes over the screen. <clears throat> I knew it was her. So put all my stuff back on. I ran out there, and then here she was, and there was this like elaborate setup along the table, like Fifty Shades of Grey type stuff. And he had supposedly used all these objects except for himself on her and this this whole thing it was just this long story it was with her all night at the hospital there's a lot of different things that she said and body language key terms some of the grammar it was bullshit but her husband came home they called him he said okay i gotta i gotta go home be with my wife she something happened i gotta go so he came home that is that is a lot it's wild. It was, and I, the pro, the worst thing about it was I was up all night for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that is, that is a lot though. And so like you said, you don't, you don't know what ends up happening with that report and everything. <clears throat> what does happen in, in the military um, when, when a false report is, is made? Yeah. Good um, question. Misuse of emergency services and like false reporting and stuff. They get charged with that. I mean, that's that's that sounds pretty pretty small to me, though. Yeah. But wait a minute. Relative to the original. Yeah. Well, if so, if it was an actual person that we could identify that had raped her, it would be a lot more serious because obviously she was about to ruin somebody's life, whether it was true or not. Mm-hmm. But since it was some entity that none of us knew about, didn't right. know he existed. It didn't. So. Know yeah so if, if it was like a specific person if she's like hey john doe is coming over here every saturday and you know having his way and i can't i can't do anything about it turns out that john doe is not actually doing that um you know and and through that whole legal process you're like oh did they determine that that's just false like what does happen to somebody like that in the military is there is it still misuse of emergency services and you know filing a false report or does yeah, do, the, are, do the charges become more service member would have to file charges against them via uh, like the city or the state okay. because they're not, a, they're, they don't, they don't fall under UCMJ. That's so there's what no, I was going to say. No, That's probably how that goes because the second you start using an emergency system to, you know, put a, uh, you know, request help, um, that's all wrong. It, like it, it's in the end, she could probably get barred from being on post. Like yeah. she's not allowed to live on post or come on post for anything. <clears throat> but that's really the most that can really happen because the army can't hold her responsible. Mm-hmm. They can just tell mm-hmm. her she can't come back on post. It's so like a it's civil crime almost. What's that term? I said it's like a civil crime almost. Like you can't come into my business anymore. You have to leave because mm-hmm. you accuse mm-hmm. someone of that serious crime. That's nuts. So I'm just trying to like, well, I guess trying to wrap my, 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 my mind around, um, like if I accuse this person, this known person, here's their name of raping me. And then it's a false report and that comes out like if, if, if I should accuse them of that and there's no way to like prove that it's not true and or, or whatever, or they can somehow manage to prove that it is true, even though it's not, I've ruined that person's life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, prison time, sex offender, all these things, right. If they're in the military, you know, just dishonorable discharge from the military ruin their fucking life. If it turns out that it's um, it's false report and I'm I'm found out, what happens to me? Nothing, not a lot, right? A couple of misdemeanor charges, slap on the wrist, don't do that again. 
I can't live on post. What if I'm a service member? Like, how does that work if you're a service member? Two service members, you know what I mean? Um, it would definitely be some sort of report. I, ne- I never got that far with it. But if so, if the service member that was accused got kicked out, I mean, it's pretty serious because obviously you put them, you separate them, you can't have them in the same unit. If they're in the same unit, you have mm-hmm. to make sure that they are actively mm-hmm. separated, not texting each other, not calling each other, um, separate barracks buildings. Um, and the person accused, usually they're out the door pretty quickly. And if they get a dishonorable and it's found out later on that they were falsely accused, then you probably have to appeal the discharge decision. And then as far as the service member that accused, um, it's usually just like, it's a false reporting. And then if there's other stuff that goes into it, like, um, false evidence, um, stuff that they can use against that person as proof that they did it like records cell phone records um hey make sure you tell um you tell your wife or your husband or whatever that when i showed up with these bruises on my face that i told you it was from you know but i was really scared you know make up a story about it or something like Mm -hmm. they you pull together a lot of that stuff and just depending on the severity they you do get charges for it well i used to be lapd and we would have to deal with false reports from time to time uh anytime that we get a a call of a rape you know it's extremely serious so there's a lot of investigation that goes on and one particular situation i had uh, this lady was in his relationship with her suspect who had raped her the night before um reality it was consensual sex and she just didn't want to you know let everyone know that she was in a relationship with a married person blah 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 all kind Mm -hmm. of xyz it's like when we finally got to the end of the story of the, about what actually happened, we hit her with so many charges. You just false stack reporting. them. Whatever you can find, you just stack them and hope something sticks. Yeah. If she used a, a cell phone during this, I'm going to charge her for that. Like it, using a communication device to further a crime. Like anything you can yeah. try to hit them with. And it, exactly like you said, throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. None of it sticked. Stuck. <clears throat> Stick it in. Yeah, it just slid all down the wall. I don't know, man. See, I, I so the reason I ask all that stuff is, um, you know, so sharp sexual harassment and assault in in the army. Um, I can only speak to the army because I'm only in the army, but like in the army has been historically a huge fucking problem. Yeah. Um, and to this day, the army believes that the best way to handle it is. Well, more PowerPoints, um, well, more, more, more training as a platoon or a company or battalion or whatever the size of your element can handle more, you know, sludge. I just, it's just, and that's just not the right answer. Like I don't, um, cause you, you, you did mention, you know, like, um, what was it? Uh, like, like, uh, uh, like false accusations, um, or this or that. And I just, I just wonder like, is what more can be done, right? So, like, if somebody is is making a false report, I think those those charges need to be, um, way harder, right? Like, so so are the are the the the, the potential for the you know if you're I don't, I don't know what I'm saying, um, fucking what word am I looking for, Tyree? Consequences. The pon- yeah, consequences. yeah, the consequences. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the consequences, um, the consequences for making like a, fa- a false accusation or a false report need to be way more so that you know 
people are you know afraid to do that shit right and then because uh, i've heard of several stories i've um have, have, uh, I've spoken with a handful of females in the military who've gone through the process, some of which were, um, were definitely the victim. They were, you know, it was, it was founded and through, um, mental health issues were, were, were discharged from the army, not medically just discharged from the army mm-hmm. just sent home while the person that did, um, you know, commit the crime, was still able to serve even though they were, you know, demoted or whatever the shit. Now, when you're talking yeah. like you're, uh, you know, you're a, a junior enlisted soldier, right? So you're E one through E four, and you get busted down to E one, you know, give it a year, right? You're gonna make rank back, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it, it's not that big of a deal. So I just I don't understand like why. Oh, hey, listen. So it was, it, come to find out, you did actually rape that person. Um, so we're just going to like demote you, take away some pay, give you like 45 days of, uh, fucking, you know, 45 and 45. Right. Um, and then, uh, don't do it again. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are we not like making the consequences, the punishment for these folks harsher across the board? I don't understand that. I don't understand. I mean, I get like why, like the big army, like, like right. They're worried about like recruitment. Right. We missed it this year by 50%. Uh, and so they're concerned with what that looks like three and four years uh, down the, the road from here. But what about the safety of our soldiers? Right. What about the, what about their, what about that? Like, what about them? Right. Like, what about the people that we do have that we want to retain? Why are we not as concerned about that? Um, you know, that's, that's a good point because if, uh, I think if I didn't get married, um, I would have stayed in a long time. I wanted to be drill. I wanted to do all these things that you don't see a whole lot of women with E6 and E7. And I wanted to do that, you know, and then it was just the leadership. The leadership sucked. And the problem about it was all these, I just call them predators. They are all like administratively, they're studs. Mm -hmm. So like they've had really good records. They've had, you know, um, like in my unit, I had an E7 platoon sergeant. I was uh, E3 and E4 under him. Um, <clears throat> he was phenomenal, like sniper, um, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was just a fucking stud on paper. Yeah. And, of course, he had all of the privates were, like, in his phone. And eventually... It came down to it where um, I stood up to him against someone being sent to a promotion board over me, like some new kid that was in ASAP. And um, every time, like he was given some sort of a duty, he would just like fall apart. He couldn't handle the pressure. So uh, we ended up having to draw weapons out of the arms room one day. And because we're MPs, we have a pistol and an M4. So we have to draw two every single time. Um, and that was a lot, it's a lot to deal with. So I pushed him out of the way and I started handling it because it was just needed to go quicker. We needed to fucking go. Mm-hmm. And so after that, it came out like, Hey, this kid's going to go to the promotion board, uh, wish him luck, wish him congratulations, whatever. And so I was like, why him? You didn't see that performance just now. If he's going to get some pressure to perform, he's going to explode. And he's also clearly still drinking after he's gone through ASAP. 
because he tells everybody about it and he texts me while he's drunk. So why would you send him to the, the promotion board? I just don't understand it. I wasn't like complaining because I knew eventually I would get it, you know, at some point, but I just wanted to understand the logic. Yeah, it's and, a valid question. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't really give me an answer. He's like, I'm sick of all you once deployed specialists thinking that you're entitled to this and to that. And I was like, take us out on the range. You know, I'll show you how entitled I am. And um, let me perform this. Let me go do this. Put us head to head against each other. I'll show you how entitled I am. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, <clears throat> so after that, I got moved to the arms room for six months because I was so squared away, you know, and uh, they tried to make me the NCOIC, the arms room. And that's when I put my hand up and said, uh, or the detachment was looking for um, drug team for CID and they were looking for MPI and I put my hand up and then that I was fucking out of there after six months. I couldn't do it anymore. But once I left the unit, I got promoted. But then being under all those people, that were just such dickheads and, you know, trying to, like, if I didn't blow them under the desk during lunch, like, I wasn't going to get my five. So yeah. once I got away from all those people, immediately I started hitting me five. Like, a couple months afterwards, uh, I got school. I got, uh, obviously, team leader. But I was rewriting SOPs in the MPI section. I was training. I was doing all kinds of stuff. But it's like... The guys that uh, sexually harass and sexually assault people, there's no consequences because they're such studs. Because they're it the would ones be, in charge. It would, yeah, they it would look bad if this guy actually got in trouble. So let's just move the girl that's causing the trouble and keep him there because everyone else seems to be doing okay. But in reality, yeah. he's doing the same thing to like three or four different privates in the unit or in that platoon. Yeah, no, that's and that's a, that's a common thing that, that I've heard too is you know, uh, move move the victims, get rid of them, yeah, right? because they're the problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're the ones because, like you said, like you, you know, you you got somebody who's got uh, a senior NCO or officer, and um, on paper they've done this and that, and uh, they're squared away. Uh, they would just, never, yeah, right, yeah, or you know, or, or command understands, like, yeah, no, we we know it happens, but we can't have that kind of blemish on the on the regimental colors or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Fuck yeah. that. You know why the the command understands because they were accused of rape at some point too because they probably did that shit. Yeah, or, they're doing it to their wives. Exactly. Or they're the people right now who advanced because somebody else watched over them because they were fucking up. Like it's mm-hmm. just a big vicious cycle and it ain't going to stop until somebody actually steps in and says something or does something. You went yeah. over to a completely different area where things were ran by people, uh, where there's certain laws, you know, there's certain things that ha- that have to exist in that work environment mm-hmm. over there back at the company, man, you're at the mercy of the captain or the first sergeant. And if they want to be fucked up assholes, they can be fucked up assholes and you'll have a miserable time. But if you can just fucking, fly the coop and i'm so happy you did uh, get that chance because man that's a terrible time yeah. yeah not a lot of soldiers you know are able to to be able or you know to do that they're not in a position to be able to do that or they don't know that they can do that and they're just kind of stuck there mm-hmm. and you know that's a common theme as well like just shitty leadership in the, in the army um and so people are choosing not to re-enlist because of it oh yeah 
Canada. And, you know, I mean, so it's, it's just a whole thing. So again, like the army is concerned about recruitment. We're, we're concerned about um, retention, but like what efforts are being put into it? Uh, well, we're giving new enlistees $50,000 bonus if they're willing to ship within the next 30 days. Um, that's a thing, by the way, $50,000, largest bonus ever, uh, given in, in the army's history. Um, but like, what are we doing for the people that are in, you know what I mean? Like what's, what's going on there? And I mean, I, you know, I've been in for may will be 22 years. Um, looking at retirement, um, pretty, pretty soon. Um, but fuck man, like, and and I, I try, I try to like, when, whenever I speak with my, my trainees, whenever I, I do go on the trail and, 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 and do that job, um, it's kind of one thing that I, I, I do sit them down and I do speak with them about like, you know, certain aspects of the military culture, the army culture and um, the good and the bad. Right. And I like to explain to them, like, listen, this is shit that goes on in the army. You know, and I, I this is this last cycle I did, you know, I brought up the issue with Vanessa Guillen. Um, and yeah. at that time there was another uh, female MP, um, she was from uh, Georgia. They were she was stationed at Georgia, but she was on a rotation in Wiesbaden, Germany. Yeah, Ended up, yeah. Um, the amusement park one. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, I think there's been two. This is the girl. She she even faced her her family um, and told them told them to record so screen record. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so it kind of just you know like that was like. We were in, I think, wider beginning of blue phase when when that had happened, and I just kind of sat my platoon down. And I was like, "Look, man, like, because there was some shit going on in, internal to the platoon where I, I just didn't agree with it, and you know, every 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 lesson or every moment's a teachable moment, right? So I wanted to explain to them how their actions here um, have an impact." Um, far and wide, right? So whenever they go off into the army and they're they're with a new group or a new platoon or the new this or whatever, new soldiers, and how they act and 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 what that turns into, big picture, right? And you know these different failures of not only leadership, not only leadership, but also the other soldiers um, who are aware of things and they're just not speaking up um, because that's a problem too, right? Like, I, I don't know if I should say something. I don't know who to tell blah, blah, blah. Or they're just too scared to get involved. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think honestly, man, and, and entire, you might be able to agree, but like when we recorded with, um, Tony, um, on the no deals episode, yeah. uh, he, he probably had one of the craziest examples of, you know, soldiers not trusting leadership to be able to tell them things. Um, I don't know if you listened to that episode, but he, it was the, the book, the black hearts um, was, was written about his unit when they were in uh, Iraq. Um, crazy fucking story, crazy episode. I, I would recommend anybody go listen to it, but, or read that book. Um, But no, it just, it's just kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. Like we're not, we're not taking care of people properly. And I want people to understand like the reality of it. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you can't be a trustworthy person in the smallest way, can you be a trustworthy person in the largest way? Yeah. And it was, it was rough. I am grateful. I went through it though, because you know, now I stick up for myself <clears throat> that I wouldn't be where I am, you know, obviously without it, but you know, it's, it's the guys that are essentially untouchable and I think that they know that so that's the reason why they do it Mm -hmm. is because they don't think 
they don't think anyone's going to say anything. No one's going to believe this, you know, 20 year old private over here over this 35 year old, um, yep. stud, you know what I mean? So like with 15 years in service. Yeah. And that's a thing too. Well, fuck if, if he, if, it, if he's founded, then he's going to lose all that time in the military and, and his retirement pension and this and that like who fucking cares and what about his wife yeah that's what <laughs> yeah. i'm saying like bro you're a piece of shit like who you should have lost more you should have yeah. lost more because well, of the well, way he's got, you he's are. got kids we we basically putting them like making them homeless i'm like hey man that was his decision not yours yeah fuck man it's a whole thing man but you know uh <clears throat> that is always so, soldiers. that is always so funny to me is when they go back and they say hey we can't give that kind of punishment to this person because it'll ruin their life didn't that person just ruin somebody else's life by doing what the fuck they were found guilty for yeah Yeah. and then also because at least in my experience even now like the people that would you know approach me about something like that they're usually married they're almost always married. They just have had a fight with their spouse or they're going through a separation, their fifth separation of the year. Like, Hey, I'm going through something with my wife. What are you up to later? Jeez. That's usually, that's always what it is. They're always married. I bet if you had actually gone to Korea as MPI, Oh my God, <laughs> you would have been busy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. probably would have been. That's crazy. <clears throat> so, uh, and I know for the last however many minutes we've been kind of beating up the army about how how bad certain things can be and how there's a lot of failures here and there. Mm-hmm. But it's not all bad, right? No, I don't regret any of it, not at all. Yeah, like I mean, I there were definitely it. like there were like definitely like good times. Like, let me so let me ask you this: like, as 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 military police or uh, MPI, um, there surely there are times when you're placed into a position where you can actually do good and help, right? Like. And, and and benefit somebody else or something, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like anything off the top of your head that comes to mind? Um, yeah. So the kids that like would steal from the PX and stuff, <clears throat> I'd always follow up with them later on, like follow up with their families. I'd give them like, um, referrals to, uh, family counseling because obviously there's something going on at home they would steal something like they would lash out in some way. So I always followed up and went to visit them afterwards, um, made sure that the family was like actively going to counseling with the kid. Um, I helped a lot of women with uh, domestic issues. Like I got them a lot of phone numbers and ways that they could find a whole bunch of supplies that they had to pick up and run in the middle of the night and stuff like that. And then, um, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's there's a lot of good that came out of it, for yeah. sure. So what do you do now? Um, well, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee now. Um, I never thought I'd end city. up here, but so I've lived here now for almost two years, and I am a private security contractor. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> like locally. Yeah. Right on. Huh. That is pretty rad. Hell yeah. Definitely. It's it's kind of, it's kind of a, a far reach from, you know, cosmetology. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. But that's still pretty rad though. I love Nashville. Uh, um, I think la- well, last year and I know this year there, there was a, uh, we had a, a mini, mini, mini reunion um, for New Year's mm. in Nashville. 
Um, we're planning on it this year. Tyree, are you going to that? I'm on the fence, but you know, forget about all that. What <laughs> about um, being a contractor now? What is it? What is it? Is there a big difference from what you used to do? Is it kind of the same thing? Is it like uh, how, how do you feel about you know that kind of work? Uh, well, you do that work. What what is the best part about that kind of work? Um, well, I'm a I'm a an account manager, team leader, whatever you want to call it. They call us team leaders. Um, but I I run the detail at my site. I'm still the only woman in the company. Mm. Uh, the only other is uh, she handles accounting, and I'm still the only female. But um, I love it. So uh, it's called Fortified Risk Group. And the two guys that own it are former Navy SEALs and we only hire vets and former law enforcement. So we all work together because we have the shared life experience. We have the same mindset. Um, So we all get along really good. The owners, they go through and they conduct all the quarterly training. So we go shoot every three months together as a group. Um, And I love it. They, They make sure that we are taken care of. It's a very small company. There's like 50 of us. And a lot of those guys are, um, there's like maybe a third of the company, their executive protection and the rest of us are security officers like uniformed. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> um, what I do is just manage my site administratively and actively. I'm a working manager. So I do Monday through Friday. Now I'm seven to three. I used to be six to two, but, um, So I have really good hours. I get a decent salary. Like this company has pulled me out of, you know, the single mom statistic. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, they're really taking care of me and the rest of the employees and the clients that they have are outstanding and the clients surround themselves with good people and the owners are able to turn down accounts because it wouldn't really reflect well with the values that the company holds. And so I, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's like I get there at the same time every day. I go home at the same time every day. I, you know, I wanted to be a cop, but then I did work in the um, hospital for two years as security. You couldn't pay me a fucking million dollars to go back and do that. There's no way. (laughs) But so I saw the cops that came in and out of there and I tried to go be city police back in Texas and um, I made it through the majority of the, the, screening but I was going through my divorce and they wouldn't take you with a civil litigation so I had to wait and then I saw that they were sitting in the hospital with these mental health patients all night but they'd been working on day shift and everything else and I and my son his dad he went out and he became a cop so I didn't want both of us to do that so oh yeah definitely I stuck with I stuck with private security because it pays a lot better than (laughs) most any other profession where you carry a gun for a living so I have noticed that that a lot of like security jobs pay absolute garbage. Like I, I did armored security with like you know trans, right. money transport, and we you know, we had, we had to be commissioned in the state and carry a firearm and wear body armor and like we were making. I started out making eleven fifty an hour there. Yeah. In in two thousand and eight, um, and after eight and a half years, I'd I'd only made up my way up to like sixteen and a half dollars an hour as a as a lead. Um, so the people just, just security jobs pick garbage. They really do. Yeah. Well, Dude. cause there's such a high, there's such a high turnover. And I mean, there's high turnover because they don't pay and then they don't pay because there's high turnover. So, yeah. but in Nashville, <clears throat> a lot of the people out here do that and they can go get another security job the next day. But like, so the average market value 
of an armed security officer in Nashville, they pay like 18 to 20 an hour. We pay 22 to 24 hourly. And then we do, um, we follow our clients to special events at the date that they do. And those are like 30 to 35 an hour, stuff like that. So they, they pay us really well. That's really awesome. Actually, I just looked up their website. Um, well, while you're kind of talking about it a little bit, um, yeah, no, that's really cool. Like the two, the two owners was, uh, was Jake Williams and Robin Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like 35 years of combined like SEAL yeah. training and experience. Yeah. Like, that's fucking yeah. wild. One of them was They're like a buds instructor. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, you don't fuck with those guys. No, um, and then um, <laughs> they paid for us all to do a Spartan race, so we all ran a Spartan oh, that's race cool. last month uh, together. <clears throat> So now, even though I was like one of the last ones across the finish line, I've ran the race with like a bunch of Navy SEALs and I made it. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's cool that they do that, right? Because it, mm-hmm. it creates that family bond, that camaraderie that yeah. you, you don't find in the civilian sector. You really just mm-hmm. don't. No. And especially um, because that's, that's, that's the only thing that we know. You know what I mean? So like most of us join the military because family was not the best option. Hometown was not the best option. I know it wasn't for me. So I joined and then I left, I came back to my family and wasn't going well. And then, uh, picked up and moved out here. Um, and having them has been a huge, huge lifesaver because I mean, we don't even have to have to try to get along. We just do. Yeah. No, yeah, I've, I've noticed that from like uh, any any civilian job I've had in the past. I always the military folk that work there, we always gravitate towards each other um, mm-hmm. naturally. Like, there's no like effort about it. It's just kind of you just happen to do that, and you get along better. You can sit there and talk shit to each other, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, my current job, uh, so I'm a miltech, and I, I have to, you know, everybody there is in the Army Reserve, right? And so we automatically just kind of get along because we all have that same common ground and blah blah. Blah, but we don't we don't have that like outside of work um uh family setting that that it sounds like you guys have um and i i i, I love that like that's one thing that i miss about active duty was mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean we'd have clb formation at whatever time we'd have it and then straight to the barracks um change and then you're right there with your dudes and yeah maybe maybe you're going out maybe you're doing this maybe you're grilling maybe you're sitting in the room but you're always whoever had an apartment like let's go there (laughs) yeah um it kind of seems like they're 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 maintaining that um Mm -hmm. and that's fucking that's great to hear it's awesome awesome. huh they should uh expand move to arkansas they are if you have any clients that need some type of executive protection or so we also do um online scrubbing type stuff so like if um someone was being doxxed like their address or something was being put online publicly Mm -hmm. they um provide the service where they go through and they delete it and they get rid of it and they prevent it from being um shared at least on certain servers like twitter and tumblr and stuff Right. And then um, executive protection, private security service, um, online security service, all kinds of stuff. But we, yeah, so we're in six states now, as far as I know. Um, And it all just started out a year ago. So originally the two owners, they were consultants and they would borrow agents from different companies. So initially when I started, um, 
I worked for Allied and I was hired by Allied via these two guys to do this account that I met right now. And then Allied, because they're so big, like they just couldn't provide us with what we needed. So they got dropped from the contract and these two just went independent firm and they kept us all on and they, they just kind of went with it and we all jumped with them. And now they've, they're expanding and they're hiring people. We can't, we can't hire enough people now because of the accounts that we're getting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not, that's not a bad problem to have. Mm-mm. No, that's a good thing to have. Huh. It is yeah, great. Really good. It is great to work with a, a veteran, right? Mm-hmm. A veteran ran company is a billion times better than any other company I've worked with. And I've worked with some mm-hmm. pretty big companies before. And the one I'm with now, I mean, veteran ran i mean i went to a uh an actor's studio that was ran by it's completely ran by veterans it was the coolest thing i've ever seen and i'm like i'm not surprised because veterans know how to do shit a little bit better than everybody else yeah yeah and you don't even have to verbally communicate to you know do a, a movement together or like get someone from door a to door b to their car you know you just yeah make eye contact and you guys move and it's all, you know, really easy. And I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, cause I wouldn't fit in like in an office with a bunch of other women, you know, I've tried that and it didn't work out well. Uh, I just, I don't get along with other ladies you know, it's, it's, it's hard. You got to yeah. have people that had that same mindset. And when I start making stupid jokes or I come in with my like sleeves, um, and yeah. disgusting humor. They're just, they don't know what to do. You mean your normal humor? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a huge thing too, man. Like, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I have to be, I have to be in that same environment. Um, yeah. and I, I don't know if it's because of the military or if that's just always been me and the military kind of, uh, was the place that I belonged. Right. Um, or the veteran community, uh, is this the place that I belonged? Be- because I feel like my humor has been, I don't know. I'm so you've always been a degenerate. <laughs> I feel like, but then again, you know, the army, uh, the infantry has definitely, definitely has a way of, of really honing that, that, that specific type of the humor type, yeah. um, that dark humor type or whatever. And yeah, no, like I, being around other military folk, it definitely does. I'm just so surprised that like, I, I feel like more of these these businesses or these things need to be like pushed out. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we need to have some type of like post military service email where we can receive, you know, fucking uh, notifications. Places to go. Yeah. Yeah. Things. I mean, because Lord knows the VFW is, is struggling and nobody wants to go to that anymore because fuck, I don't play bingo. You know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. we need a modernized version of, of, uh, of, of this, um, for for veterans to to go hang out and and you know be a part of that community even after the military mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> yeah i mean like living in nashville i mean do, do you do you have other friends there outside of that group or um <clears throat> given that military experience relationship experience all that other stuff i really prefer to stick to myself a lot of the time so i do have a group of a handful of guys that um, I go shoot with some weekends. Like we just play around at the range and stuff. Um, And then my babysitter, she is a godsend. She's 
for she and her family have pretty much adopted us into their family. Um, she takes care of my son. He's five. Takes care of him every day while I'm at work. And then, um, like, we all just had Thanksgiving together. Um, so I have her. I don't really have anyone else. So there's a, there's a lady that I do work with. She provides, like, um, childcare-type services. And she... She's an older lady, but she's super crunchy and I love her. So she, um, helps with like all natural and <clears throat> no chemicals and all this other stuff, but she's got like a billion grandkids. And so I take my kid over there. I let him run feral and we just, we just hang out and, you know, so that's, I got two friends, two lady friends, which is abnormal. But then the guys that I shoot with, um, and they're all veterans too. So, and, uh, thanks to them, uh, now I have an expensive hobby. I didn't realize how expensive oh, man. guns were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I gotta tell you like on that, like the last gun that I bought was a, was a H and K MP five, mm-hmm. um, and a 22. And a lot of people were like, why did you buy a 22? Like that's dumb. Right. <clears throat> but one, I bought a box of 800 rounds for like $48. You know what I mean? That's like stupid cheap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, like there's no recoil, right? So I can just keep pulling the trigger and the gun doesn't move, right? Yeah. It's it's pretty heavy in the front and has a, a, a faux silencer on it that adds some weight to the front. So it just doesn't move. It's got a 20 round magazine. So like if I do need to engage something or someone, whatever, I mean, I can, I can dump off 20 rounds pretty easily. Sure. One round of a 22 might feel uncomfortable, but 20, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it is, it is an expensive hobby, but that's why I got that 22. I was like, fuck man, like I want to, I want, I want an H and K MP five. I don't want to spend the money for a nine mil. And I definitely want to go, I don't want to go on the hunt for nine mil rounds again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I love that gun though. What's your, what's your favorite gun then? What you got? Oh wait. Uh, never mind. What you, I mean, you don't have to talk about your guns cause you know, they might be listening. Um, I have, I have a, I have an AR pistol. Um, and that's, that's brand new. So I'm really heartbroken about that. I'm sentimental about it. So I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with it when they, why are you uh, heartbroken about it? The ATF is coming down on the, the buttstock that I have. Oh, like is they're it gonna the, do you have brace. the brace? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have that. They're coming, and then they're I, coming down on that. Uh, I think next month they're going to be. Uh, not, not illegal, but not. Uh, you're not supposed to have them. Uh, that's right. funny. They're not cool, but they're not. They're cool, but you know they're not cool. Yeah, but I mean they they change their standards every couple of years anyway. So, so I I have this thing. Right? This is an MCK. So for and- folks uh, listening in. <laughs> Here, uh, we're watching Kevin bring weapons onto the show now. Yeah, fuck it. Um, it's the MCK, right? The the Micaroni thing, right? And it's got a brace for a buttstock, mm. right? It's it's a pistol because it's a, it's literally a, a pistol. It's a Glock inside of it. Yeah. So you're, you're telling me they're gonna make this thing illegal in December? No, I just lost it in the lake. I don't know where it is now. <laughs> Um, and I, also I, mean? have, I also have a Glock 17 for work. That's what I have in that it. thing. 
that's what I've got all decked out. Um, I just put a red dot on it and a light. And then I have my every day, which is my, uh, my Glock 43 with my light on it. Yeah. Those are nice. I have one of those for a backup. And then I'm going to, I just got a red dot for that from Ray. Christmas present to myself and then I have a my first gun was the Smith & Wesson bodyguard uh-huh. so I yeah. still have that that's my like secondary in case I need it so that's all I have for now my everyday is uh, the MMP shield by Smith & Wesson uh-huh. um, love that gun because it's so small and so thin but still fits comfortably in my hand it's great um, have you said you had a 43 as your backup I got these hands <laughs> That's yeah, because you're in. They're rated E for everybody. It's because you're on the left coast. You can't own guns. No, I got guns. I just don't want to tell yeah. everybody about them. Right. Well, it's, well, after the show, you went fishing and you lost them all in the lake. That's how it works. Um, what but, show? Right. What lake? Um, no. This isn't going to air. Um, no, no, no. So I remember Tyree when you when you first got on with LAPD, they recommended you carry a um, a thirty eight revolver. Yes, which I still have. Snub nose uh, thirty eight hammerless. I used to have one of yeah. those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you, you said you carried a forty three as your backup. The forty three. The little thing that you flashed for a second there. We had though. I had that for a minute, and I didn't really like it so much. So I went back to the revolver. Yeah, just because your- you know revolver. I mean that it, it's not going to fail, and if I'm reaching for that, something's failing. So I don't need anything else <laughs> to right. crash. So we got to go hard now. Yeah. And yeah. Your, was your service, You did you carry a Glock 17? Yeah, Glock 17. But uh, a clo- across the department, there are several different weapons you can have. You can have a 9 mil 40, 45s, um, 1911s, depending on what uh, division you're working in. If you're SWAT, they have special weapons for you specifically. They, it's literally uh, what the S&W means in SWAT. Yeah. Um, no, we have, they have uh, SIS also, which is also like a secret squirrels SWAT thing that not a lot of people know about, but it's the thing that totally exists. Yeah. Uh, and they have a, a special pistol made by Kimber. If you look it up, it's uh, it has SIS carved onto the uh, rails of it. It's pretty sexy. Huh. <clears throat> well, I did not. So SIS of the LAPD is like Delta Force. Yes, of, of the army military. Mm-hmm. The the secret is is what they used to say is uh, they would literally just follow around people wait uh, and just wait on them to c- commit crimes. They drive around and this is Los Angeles, so we have like a lot of uh, gardener trucks, people who are doing gardening, and they dress up the part and the whole deal, and they just walk into a bank and they already know these people are going to rob it. So as soon as they pull out their guns, they pull out their guns, and then it's over. <laughs> And it happens a lot more often than the people know about. So it's pretty cool. It's one of the really cool things you can get into if you get into the LAPD, but it's hard. Yeah, Yeah. that's all right. Mm -hmm. Huh? Well, I, I didn't mean for everyone to flash their guns on the (laughs) thing. I really didn't flash any guns, but I got a knife here. Um, it just kind of went into that. Actually, I think that's the first time. Surprisingly, I think that's the first time uh, on the show that we've actually talked about guns. Yeah, I think that's a bit kind of that's kind of surprising to me. Yeah, yeah, really. No, 
Yeah. Well, now we talked about them a little bit with love, but uh, oh, well, that's here. This is this was a little bit more different. Them. Yeah, yeah, totally different. So, hey, Ash, thanks for coming on to the show. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, is there anything you want to put out before we let you go? You like that, don't you? No, but I appreciate you guys having me. Sweet. <laughs> you could have went with the same answer as you had last time, but no, yeah, no, I, I, you know, you're the only person when I, when I put that, um, when I made that post on my story, whatever on Instagram, you're the only person that responded. No way. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. And I have what 5,000 followers or whatever it comes out to 4,900 and you're the only one. And I know there's a lot of veterans that follow me. Um, so I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did reach out. I'm glad we were able to um, schedule this and get you on. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Because that's <clears throat> when, and you know when you when you talked a little bit about being being military police and MPI, um, I was like, oh damn, there's definitely some fucking cool stories there. Because I, I have heard some wild things about the military police regiment, and uh, it, you know some things that I feel like are um, maybe unique to the MP Corps mm-hmm. um, that like Tyree and I definitely did not experience as infantrymen. Um, like a lot of that stuff, like we did not experience on active duty. Like we didn't have any of that. Um, I would say generally speaking, our active duty time was, was pretty fucking smooth sailing comparatively. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, no, it was, it was rough. We were on duty, on duty every single day on call every single day. There was no like, you know, Leave time was first come, first serve. It wasn't like the whole unit goes home for two weeks during Christmas and Thanksgiving or thanks Christmas and New Year's and stuff. Like we were, we were always working. We were either in the field or we were training to go on the road or we were on the road or we were deployed. We were always working. That is one of the few jobs in the, in the military where you, you have a job both in garrison and on deployment. Um, as the infantry, like, fuck, we're just glorified groundskeepers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Before, you know, we go to the field a lot, but like, we're also back in garrison, like picking up cigarette butts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just pushing a broom across a fucking a, a parking lot in the rain, you know, um, or maintenance. We do a lot of maintenance, but, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so that, that is, it is, uh, I think, I think you might be the first MP. I, I have the MOS. I've never done it though. I went to a 31 Bravo reclass, uh, last year, but I've never yeah. done the job. You're a poser. I'm a poser. You're like a but hey, jump but hey, jump. technically we're all we're all cops here. <laughs> oh, sure, that's really hard to say with a straight face. Yeah, I'll play your game. <laughs> I mean, you guys are legit, and I'm just a guy that went to a school. <laughs> no, it's all good. There's no difference. But hey, like honestly, I got to end this, guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much, Ash for Ashley. Sorry. For uh, coming on, yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you for replying to the ad. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> because yeah. we we ask yeah, all the time for people to, to help us out with stuff. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like we we want we want stories. We want we don't care what you did so long as it wasn't fucked up. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <clears throat> hey, and if you happen to be in contact with your um your, with your uh, company's owners and they want to come on the show. That'd be cool. Okay, I'll ask him. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, man. That'd be that'd be badass. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks for coming on. I'm gonna lower everyone else's volume except mine, and uh, I'm gonna continue to talk. I see everyone laughing right now. The thing is, 
if I don't do this, the ending will be like two or three hours on its own. You know? Yeah, I see you talking. You can't talk. This is over. It's just me now. And uh, anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we enjoy having our awesome fan not fans, but, you know, people who like to actually come onto the show and tell us a little bit about themselves. It's beautiful. And uh, that's about it. Kevin, you got anything? Did you turn my volume back up? It's on now. Fuck yeah. No, I don't have anything. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for having the show. <laughs> right off the cuff. <laughs> right off, just fired away. And, and action. <laughs> and go. Right now, for sure? Really? No, no, go for okay. it. Do, uh, do, do, it. do your best. Do your worst. <laughs>